I'll start this uh, session with a talk. And the title of the talk is Carrot. Last year, Manuel's father and his family decided to take in for training uh, a dog that was to become and did become a seeing eye dog, a Labrador retriever. Uh, her color was kind of uh, orangey, so she was called Carrot. Uh, you may wonder, oh, oh yes, I have a picture of her. picture was drawn by Manuel's younger sister, five-year-old. Maybe she was four when she drew it. I'll just leave it there so you can admire Carrot. And you may wonder why am I. This is a <coughs> Okay. Um, and you may wonder why am I talking about a dog and training of a dog in this constant context. But in fact, as some of you may be aware, the training of a dog and the training of the mind are not terribly different. In fact, they're enormously similar. So, why is it that do we train at all? Well, in the case of carrot, was is rather obvious. What use uh, would a a, a wanton, capricious, reckless dog be to a, a blind person who needs the dog to guide him or her through life, through the world. Surely, it would not be a guide, but a, a pain in the neck. And isn't the same thing true for our minds? You know, our minds sometimes... They go all over the place. <laughs> you've tried that. You've, you've noticed that. And they bring it to places that are most uncomfortable. Capricious, reckless, quarrelsome. We get into quarrels, we don't know why. Did we get there in the first place? So they really become, our mind can become a real botheration, a pain. 2,500 years ago, that was still true, and the Buddha stated that very clearly. This is what he said. Whatever an enemy might do to an enemy, or a foe to a foe, the ill-directed mind can do to you even worse. Check it out. Check it out, the troubles that we have all gotten into because of the ill-directed mind. So, absolutely, training could have been very handy. Just, just one, one example. I mean, that I could spend the whole day going down a list of ways how mind get us in, in, in very unpleasant places. 
One of them is just one example. When our mind, our mind, we call it, gets into its mind to put us down, to put us down, to make us feel worthless, unwanted. As uh, Manuel likes to say, feeling like chopped liver. It's true that this feeling of worthlessness can be triggered by somebody else, by circumstances. But the problem is that we take it in as if it was the truth. We end up making ourselves believe that. And it's painful, and it's unnecessary, and it's clearly the work of a mind that hasn't got the right training. So, how do we train the mind? Well, it's not very different from the training of carrot. How, how did Manuel's family train carrot? Uh, by the way, they trained the, the puppy for maybe it was half a year or something like that, or maybe longer, I can't remember now. And then the puppy graduated with very good grades, I understand. <laughs> and then went on to very specific training for a blind person, and finally um, was given to a, a man in Chicago who was being guided by her. And uh, Manuel's family went to the gradu graduation ceremony, and it's quite touching, I'm told. Anyway, the basic training of the puppy includes three commands, basically three commands. Sit, leave it, and get busy. And the dog was made to understand clearly and unambiguously what each one of these commands meant. And this is uncannily similar to what we do right here. But sit is obvious, right? And, and we'll do, in a moment, we'll, we'll do a sit. It's, it's a question of being right there, alert and receptive. And, and that goes for us, and that goes for Carrot too. Carrot knows she's sitting, and she's alert and receptive, ready to whatever next is going to happen. The second command is leave it. For Carrot, that means... Don't get distracted with this stuff or that stuff. Just leave it. Don't go after it. Don't grab it. And isn't that the essence of our training right here? Stuff comes into our mind. And our mind is so used to get a hold of it and get carried away for, with this idea, this thing I'm going to tell to my mom or to my dad or to my children, or to whoever it is, or to my partner, whatever, whatever, my friend, whatever. So, it, it's a question, it's a, the command here more familiar, instead of leaving, is let go. That's the way we say it, same thing. 
Do not cling to anything. That's what this is about. And, and a very precious opportunity to practice that in the midst of life is when we hear the mindfulness bell, the bell in the dining room, that when we hear it ring, we freeze. That's what he's saying. Leave it. Stay where you are. The third command, get busy. Of course, for carrot means toilet training. And, and, and they, you know, she understood it marvelously. But of course, it didn't do any good to tell her to get busy when she wasn't ready for it. So it required a certain understanding on, of when was she ready to evacuate her body, to clean up her body. Doesn't that sound, sound familiar for those of us to sit, who sit? The, during sitting, what happens is a purification, not, of course, of excrement, but of something very similar to it, to it, which is the mental stuff, the stuff that overloads our minds. By the way, um, on Wednesday at this time, there was an exchange between some of us about um, whether it was better to be seven years old and seven, or 70 years old, just to take to extremes. And, and there seemed to be some consensus, which I understood and, and somehow subscribed to, that when you are 70, and I'm well into the 70s, as you know, when you are 70, the mind is, can be, get very cluttered. If you kept keeping stuff in and never cleaned it out, never evacuated your mind, <laughs> it, it gets crowded in there. It gets cluttered in there. You know. and, and it's true that there's a seven-year-old has less time to do that. But of course, seven-year-olds are very fast in doing things and, and they spend lots of time in front of the TV screen and, and that's a, a lot of junk, you know. <laughs> so, one can overload as well when one is young. And one can clean up when one is old, and certainly that has been my experience, that thanks to the practice, I've been able to, not, not clean up completely, but lighten up the clutter in my mind. Much stuff that was unnecessary is out. So, whenever a lot of stuff comes to you, try the command, get busy, and, um, and see, see if you're ready. And be sensitive to the times when you are ready, and then do get busy. So, you know, when anger and blame comes up, and, and you get fulfilled of that, is it possible to, to really, really process that out of your mind? Not by denying it, on the contrary, by expelling it, letting it, letting it develop, letting it, you know, get to the critical mass when it's going to come out. 
salt for carrot has been a dog, alert, pliable, and I'm sure wonderful to this man in Chicago who is being guided by it. And for the mind, I can tell you what a relief it has been for me to come to a place where the mind is reasonably trained, reasonably on my side, much of the time. Alert and pliable, trusting and reliable, open to give and receive love. It happens. You, you all know that. And the Buddha know, knew that very well. Again, 2,500 years ago. I, I just read you a, par, uh, a verse, actually, because it's in a, in a sutra that's in, in verse. Um, let me read again what he says about the, the untrained mind and then what he says about the trained mind, or as he calls it, the ill-directed mind and the well-directed mind. So I, I go over the first thing. Whatever an enemy might do to an enemy or a foe to a foe, the ill-directed mind can do to you even worse. And then he goes on to say, whatever a mother, father, or other kinsman might do for you, the well-directed mind can do for you even better. So, this practice is about learning to be really fully present in our lives. And and becoming a, a true friend for ourselves. Even better than a mother, a father, or other kinsman. In fact, becoming, training our mind to become a seeing eye. So at this point we'll just sit for seven minutes or so. Receptive. Imagine your carrot, the puppy, learning to Learning to be there, feeling her breath, ears sticking out to pick up any sounds that come. When there are no sounds, going back to the breath. And then maybe a sensation in the body. Something tickles or something. And, uh, and Carrots remain, remembers the command. Leave it. And leaves it. Stays present. 
Feeling the air in the nose. Feeling the air in the chest. past presents itself in any way, planning presents itself in any way, just leave it. Be present. Feeling the support of the whole group in being present. Just trying out being as quiet as you can of body and mind. See what it does for you. What is it like not to do anything, just to be there? Becoming your own, seeing eye dog, seeing eye mind.
lovely. I think Carrot would be proud of all of you. Um, the young ones now are to go to the groups or to prepare the snack. And as you walk out, be mindful of the fact that you're walking. Not just planning where you're going, but primarily noticing where you're walking. Not necessarily very slow. You can learning to be present with whatever way you're walking. 